Yeah, we'll go away and look. Um, we're out with some personnel, but that's no excuse. Um, so, looking forward to getting over to our home deck over in Perth. And um, we love six-day breaks. We love Friday night footy. We love a chance to be able to get one back against the Dockers after they beat us by ten goals. So, um, as much as I'm thinking about doggies and what we just gave up then, in this competition you can't stick around thinking about that. And I'm already, I can't wait for Friday night footy. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the rollercoaster ride that is Barracan for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode is proudly brought to you by our sponsors, Hop In Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. My name is Tim, and as always, each and every week, I'm joined by my co-host, Simo. Mate, how you doing? Yeah, a little bit flat after last night's game, but uh, it's been a ripping day of footy as well too. I know <laughs> you're probably still feeling a little bit flat about that as well. I can't actually tell which result you're more disappointed about, Essendon losing or the Ds losing. Uh, look, it's it's fair to say this weekend of footy has been one of those weekends where you just think the footy gods hate you. And I think both from a personal level and also the ramifications as to you know, the, the game today, has and so I suppose gives us a lot of pressure too. But yeah, lost my own footy by 10 and then for the D's to go down by 10 and yeah, for Jamie Elliott to kick an absolute beauty from the boundary to um to seal it for them to put him, you know, into the top four. It's, you know, it sort of makes you think how important is the game going to be in two weeks time on that, on that Friday night, the G that mate, that's going to be red hot. That's going to be pretty much like a, you know, qualifying final sort of preview potentially. It's, it's, um, yeah, something that's that I'm a little bit kind of concerned about, to be honest, because compared to what they've done to us. But um, yeah, talking about the game on Saturday, it's it was disappointing, but not the end of the world again, which is kind of hard to say. Every time we've lost, we've still been top two, which is just gobsmacking. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it goes back to that, you know, that amazing start when banking all those wins early has just sort of set us up to, I guess, withstand a period like this, which is always going to, I think, I say always going to happen. It's happened last year and it's happened this year as well with with us you know, dropping a few games towards the end of the season. But we know what happened last year when, fingers crossed, it just continues to to, to roll on for us and, and leading on to the pointy end of the season. But you're right, it is some of these losses now and, and seeing the other teams sort of creep up around you and that race for the top four is so tight. So you look at it like Geelong now, a game clear on top with a healthy percentage. They're 7% ahead of us. Uh, we're second, Brisbane's third. And as you mentioned earlier, like Collingwood now winning today, their ninth game in a row, by the way. Uh, which is what on par with Geelong? I think they're on the same sort of winning streak. I think are they nine or ten? Yeah, I think they're pretty close. But they've yeah. won five games under seven points, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. in so, that run, that's nuts. No, it's just just crazy and probably not sustainable. Like I probably, you know, watching most of the game today, especially the second half, you're thinking, yeah, Essendon, like this will be Collingwood's due for a loss here. Like, you know, mm. Essendon will be up and about. They've had a couple of really good wins the last few weeks and and it's, it was great for, for us, but unfortunately it wasn't the way that the fairy tale ended there. And then Frio, obviously leading up to this Friday night, another another team as well too that's just in the hunt, a couple of points behind Collingwood. So it's after the draw with, with Richmond. So... Yeah, it's 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 shaping up to be. That's right. The finals are starting early for a lot of teams, including. I us. think it is. Yeah, I reckon. Uh, I reckon the finals are starting a week, uh, month early, which is, you know, great for a mutual support. I mean, gee, you kind of like to be one of those bottom sides to a degree because you just don't have to worry about the stresses and everything. You know, leading up to finals. Um, 
yeah, pretty crazy sort of stuff. And the league is so, so tight at the moment. You know, one loss can, you know, we could potentially see ourselves down to we even sixth or, you know, out of the top four if we lose come up Friday night, which is a massive game. Look, happy hunting ground. Um, but yeah, we'll cover that obviously later on in my favorite segment. But something awesome happened this week, mate. And, you know, something, an opportunity which, you know, doesn't come around very often. And there's a night. We were at the Hallam Hotel, and what were we, why were we there? <laughs> why were we there? I was asking myself the same question because we were we were scheduled to to be at the same yeah, event, which been, is at the Dorset yeah. Hotel. What a, a walk, a short walk from your house, and uh, yeah, you know, about one point eight, one point eight k, and a nice cruisy fifteen, maybe twenty minute drive for me. So yeah, nice and close, but no, it was it was awesome. So Simo, for the listeners, Simo surprised me with uh, some tickets to Year of the D's a function put on. Uh, by a company, I can't remember what they're called, um, authorized autograph memorabilia, mm. something like that. But yeah, so we had the privilege of of going to see in person Maxi Track and uh, and Simon Goodwin in person do a bit of a Q and A session and and yeah, listen to them speak about pre- predominantly year twenty twenty one and and the cup was there as well too and it was yeah a fantastic night. I mean. It was. I haven't seen them in the flesh like that close before. So for me, it was it was a really entertaining night, and just it was really nice to see them on a bit more of a human level. Like we know that Max and Tracker, you know, got a fair bit of character around them, and we, you sort of you get that through the press conferences and the interviews. But for me, and I think I spoke to you on the night, like it was great to see Goody. I think just a little bit more relaxed. Like we're so used to seeing him, uh, you know, spinning out his. His robotic press conference responses, you know, then it comes from, you know, the same 100 phrase book that he's got sitting in his pocket somewhere. But for him to kind of just be in street clothes and, uh, and yeah, have a bit of a chat about, you know, the year last year and what it meant to him and a range of different things, it was, it was fantastic. It gave us some great insights. Definitely did, mate. And look, just, it's just funny hearing what the players actually say because a lot of stuff, Kind of goes, you know, unways. I mean, you look at Petrarca getting into Gidevin early New Year, and you know, for him to say, you know, effing C and things that he actually said to him on the day, and <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. And it, it, you look at as well as when Gorney spoke about, you know, it was kind of like the 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 tide change when you know Maxi got knocked over the boundary line in the grand final by Caleb Daniel. He turned around to look and he saw who it was, and he's like, oh gee, that wasn't a good look, but. Yeah, just just those little things that you just you, you know you never hear unless you see the players, and I yeah, thought it was a really cool insight into you know what what the grand final was and what the year was, you know the hub life, and you know what what the boys have you know endured to get to where they wanted to get to, and yeah, no, it was just a super super night where yeah, like I said, you know it doesn't come around every day, and yeah, it was awesome. And we did get the opportunity to have a have a sneaky photo with them, and and get up with the Premiership Cup, which wasn't quite expecting, so I had no idea what to say when we are going up there. <laughs> to say what did you say? What What did I you say? I honestly don't even remember until I know what I said on the way out, but like even even as we walked up there, I said, I think I said, how are you going, fellas? Like that's probably all I had. And then at the end, as we walked out, I said, oh, you know, by the way, we do, we, we run the attention to Deed. Oh, we run the podcast about you, about the footy club. And, and then I'll, I'm pretty chuffed about this. Like, Goody said, "Oh, which which podcast is it?" So, like, you know, he was at least intrigued. Mm. So, uh, we we threw the name out there. So maybe maybe Goody's given us a bit of a listen. I don't know, giving us a bit of a scan through a few of the episodes. See see what we've got to say. <laughs> from report, didn't Goody say he'd have a listen on the ride home? And he, you know, <laughs> could potentially could become you know a dual podcast with Gus and Gorney. Could oh. be could be on the verge. 
that's well. That's obviously giving us a bit of insight to uh, Gus's contract status. Then maybe maybe they know something that uh, that we don't, given that there's only a few weeks left of the season. So, but I don't know. There's uh, could be a collaboration down the works. <laughs> See what happens. That's true. That's it's true. And I got I, I, I seeked clarification from Track and the boys. I said, "Do I look like Jack Varney?" And look, I should have had the photo ready for me, ready for them to see. But you know, Petrarca said, you know, you got the same chiseled jaw, and I walked away pretty happy about that one. <laughs> yeah, no, amazing, amazing. Well, well, so hopefully we'll shout out, maybe put this in a bit of a video clip, and I'll send it to Caden McDonald, and uh, yeah, let him know that it's come straight from straight from the source within the club who spends a lot of time with Jack. So there you go. I'm sure you're very happy with that. So no, it was a great night. Uh, yeah, some great stories, heaps of laughs, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, I think probably one of the other biggest things I took away from that was I think Maxi talking about like playing abroad and the hubs. I think we got a fair bit of insight to that about how that was for the players. And mm. I think when he was talking about winning and, and he said the best part of, of football is like he gets to you know call his dad afterwards and... It was, I think, that real absence of family that they had over there uh, during that premiership run was something that really kind of, like, yeah, that's what I took away from that. Like, his his child was born a month later from that, but you know, he was talking about other players like Jake Lever who left, um, you know, after after one of his kids was um, born, I think, little boy maybe born after a week and and had to leave like that. So I thought that was really interesting to sort of hear those sorts of insights as well. And uh, and Tom McDonald's the weirdest unit in the in the club apparently. Cars and Petrarca and meet. Petrarca sold a hundred pairs of shoes as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was it? Tom McDonald's only three interests: uh, meat, cars, and there was something else. I forget what it was. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of it meat, too. Meat, cars, but... and no, I've lost it. That was something lost else. it. So have yeah. I. <laughs> hey, but yeah, no, real real rare unit apparently, which yeah. is <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can kind of you can kind of sense it, can't you? Yeah, but anyway, anyway, quickly going back to last night, I don't know, mate, about you, and I think I might have messaged you, but I think last night was probably one of the most pissed off I've been for a long time. I think just in the moment, you you, you seemed fired up. <laughs> I was. I yeah. I think I think I reckon over the last couple of years I've managed to kind of tighten a little bit, uh, tighten the screws when it comes to watching and and being as animated when I'm watching at home on my own, but. That last quarter just, yeah, really unfortunately got got me going in the, in the last few minutes. There's a couple of costly mistakes where you know that like, if we just execute a couple of those things, mm. it's come, a couple more kicks go our way. It's, yeah, it could be a different story, but wasn't wasn't to be. And yeah, doggies, I don't know if you really see it. Grand final revenge in round 19, is that even a thing? Like to label it yeah. as that? I'd like be, round I'd one be, would have been. Be being careful. Round one see, would have been grand Cody. final. Revenge. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You look, you look. Did you see Cody Waitman with the the tape recorder, the video recorder? No, I haven't seen one of them in a while. But you well, know, yeah. he was you know smiling his ass off, and you know he had the press conference after the woods, and you know good on him. But yeah, definitely again, didn't haven't got anything to sort of go upon. You know, in terms of revenge or anything. I I mean, you know the dogs, the dogs are coming. I mean, obviously they like they thrive off being the underdog and. You know, for them to now sneak into the eight where with a bloody hard run home, their their run home is very similar to ours. I think they might play one side out of the eight, but three really or three other tough opponents. But yeah, no, it was it was, <laughs> it was interesting seeing Cody Wade with with the video recorder. I I haven't seen one of them in a while. 
When you say video recorder, what, what do you mean? Like a like yeah, a handheld ones, camera? Like the handheld ones. Yeah, yeah handheld okay. camera and had like the flip screen. You know how it's got the screen yeah. on the side? Yeah. yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, what the hell is going on yeah, here? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you normally see the GoPros and things, but, you know, I was waiting for them to, you know, play Feed from Free from Desire. That's how they celebrated. But I did. Um, so I did see on Twitter, Mitch Cleary was all over this about reporting. Uh, I think they were waiting for one of the players to finish their their press conference after the game would have been with Fox footy or, or whoever channel seven. And then they went to do their post game sing along. And the first song apparently was KC and the sunshine got to give it up. I think it was. So wasn't freed from desire, but I'm sure that there's some sort of uh yeah, there'll be, there'll be some sort of little meaning or some, some sort of little dig towards us within that has to be the fact that Mitch Cleary was reporting on that and, <laughs> and sending that via Twitter means that there's something in it. So uh, yeah. Spot. Anyway, the, it is what it is. The dog is lured us into a different game style. Like we kind of bought mm. in to shootout. to really go in for a shootout, and unfortunately for us, like whilst at times center clearances we were able to generate some great scoring opportunities, and our forward line looked to move a little bit better than what it has in the last few weeks. It still wasn't enough, and dogs are just way too clean uh, with their hands and, and made the most of their chances. And in a game that was full of momentum swings and. They had a lot more of it, especially in the second half, and we found ourselves on the back foot trying to withstand a bit of an onslaught in that uh, in that back half. And, yeah, unfortunately, that last quarter, very disappointing, very disappointing, just with a couple of things, as I mentioned before. A couple of things that go our way, I think that, yeah, it's... Uh, Find a way to get that four points, wouldn't oh, we? It's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just... Mm, it's a tough one. A tough one to sort of decipher the, the game itself. I think it's just... One of those ones that just obviously slipped away from us, but you know, got done, you know, in the end because we probably played that little bit too defensively, and you know, the doggies kept attacking for the whole time, and you know, mm. full credit to them in terms of, you know, their ability at the scoreboard. But you just think how important Jake Lever is. I think, you know, the way he instructs is, you know, probably the, well, obviously one of the main reasons why our defense is so sound. And I mean, you look at the two Lever and. May you know look how look how solid we are with both of those boys in the side. I mean, how yeah. often do we give up more than seventy points in a game with those two in? So, yeah, yeah hopefully shoulders right for uh, for a huge game against uh, Frio coming up on Friday night. That's it. Oh well, we better try and find some positives in the game, and we'll uh, we'll try and dissect those in our next segment. Credit to the boys. Back into the game, so um, it's real credit to the boys. Um, I think it was on uh, all of us to step up and. and- really lead from the front and I thought we did that all day so we want to play our way all right mate well let's let's start it off Clary back huge huge part of our midfield and yeah it was great to to see him back with a glove uh you mentioned to me earlier you thought he's playing sort of relatively one-handed but he still did a hell of a job and still makes so much difference uh, especially in the clearance work, and I think in the end he still had six center clearances on his own. Not to mention, you know, all the disposals that he racked up. Great to see him back there, and yeah, incredible effort by him to sort of get back and and get back into the game just a week after breaking his thumb. Yeah, it's great to see him back, and it's funny how you say. I mean, that's all. You know, I, I did say it looked like he was playing with one hand, but it honestly didn't look like he was using his bad hand at all at times. Like at a stoppage, it was a grab. It was just like a basketball palm. It was nuts. It was just palming the ball with his good hand and, you know, just releasing it so quick. It was just like, this guy's a star. Yeah. Um, if you know, Just can't wait till, you know, his hand is back operational because, you know, he's just going to go to another level, which, I mean, 
probably already has this year. I mean, uh, arguably you could say he's probably up there with the Brownlow contention, I'd say. I mean, you know, Petrarca's had his games and and whatnot, but I think, yeah, Clary could go real super close to the, to the Brownlow this year. Um, you know, depending on our last month, I think that could be the biggest difference. But center clearances, center clearances, we got, you know, I think we might average around nine to, I think I said this stat to you during the game, um, 19 points through center bounce. Um, but I think we might have kicked six or seven goals out of the, directly from center clearance, which was, you know, which is our strength. And, you know, even on Thursday night when Gorney was, you know, he was touching base to say, you know, when we're down by 19, oh, no, it might have been Petrarca that actually said this. Um, when Bontepelli kicks that goal, 19 touches, he say, boys, it's all right. Like, we're going back to where our strength now, um, the center clearance. Um, so, yeah, we fully took took control of that area, I felt, felt and, you know, it hasn't been a real strong point for us this year. And, you know, it was good to see that comeback. Um, next next move is just getting the stoppages right around the ground. That's it. That's it. I suppose the way to look at it, like we did look so damaging when we were winning the ball out of the middle. And yeah, a lot of those front exit clearances just resulted in really fast scoring opportunities. Doesn't allow the defense to set. And yeah, we were able to really capitalize on those. But unfortunately, as you kind of highlighted, and I'm sure we'll touch on it later, like clearances in general around stoppages, we got absolutely bullied. So, yeah, it was great to sort of see that side of things. But on the other end of it, 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 it didn't really allow us to to defend being so down on the stoppages, especially forward 50 stoppages for the dogs. Didn't allow us to defend very well and, and unfortunately led to a lot of scoring opportunities on the other side. So, yeah, center clearances, like Max's tap work, was was had some amazing work. So did Jacko as well too. I think for the times that Max did tap it, and we'll get into that more later. <laughs> uh, yeah, like was really able to give them, you know, some great silver service and, and tap it into space. And there was a couple of opportunities where yeah, Viney was allowed to, able to run through the middle and and we were able to yeah get back to sort of Dee's footy and it looked really exciting. That's when we were sort of able to pile on those like three four goals in a row in that second quarter and, and really look like we were taking the game. Um, you know, by a good stranglehold there, and and really, it not not tipping point for the dogs, but it, it looked like we really had everything under control, and unfortunately, that wasn't the case. But yeah, Viney had the five clearance center clearances as well, and then Maxi had the four himself. So certainly, one thing that they can say that it was a certain improvement against some recognised ruckmen as well in terms of Tim English, like you know, not going up against Charlie Dixon and. Uh, and uh, Jeremy Finlayson, like it's going against a recognised star of the competition, and yeah, able to sort of get some ascendancy in that, which was which was good to see. Unfortunately, it just wasn't enough in terms of scoring opportunities. It, it didn't, uh, yeah, it didn't do all the work for us. So that that was a big tick. Uh, forward line, mate. What did what did you make of it? It's, uh, it seemed to be it seemed to be firing a little bit more efficiently, and uh, yeah, a little bit more cohesively than it has over the past probably month, I'd say. Yeah, and I think that really comes down to, I mean, the fast ball movement, but also real clean ball movement was probably the biggest, you know, factors there. But also Sammy Wiedemann was probably one that, you know, was able to actually crash a pack and were able to get some, you know, some ground balls as well. I think for them not to be able to intercept Mark, especially in the first half, um, it was a little bit, you know, a little bit luckluster in the second half. But especially the first half, I felt like um, our forwards did their job in terms of bringing it to ground. I thought Malcolm, um, put, you know, you look at four or five years ago, he was probably one of the best one-on-one defenders. I mean, you look at, he did a did a job on um, McGovern. Um, I think it might have been late in 2018. 
which you know helped us get the win and secure a final spot. But yeah, he's it. I just remembered him being a really good one-on-one player that was able to you know contest, bring it to ground at least, you know, half, you know, win that five-meter battle. Um, so I've labelled on a lot of times, but yeah, I, I just thought when we looked clean going forward, um, probably minus the last quarter. You know, we're able to go to 52% efficiency, 26 scoring shots from 50 entries, which, you know, would be above the league average. Um, so, you know, obviously looked damaging. Um, I thought Fritter's game um, was pretty strong. Um, probably again, minus the last quarter, you know, he was able to hit the scoreboard four times and, you know, wasn't selfish. Um, he was probably too unselfish. I mean, there was one time <laughs> in the last quarter where you were begging him oh, to shoot it, but man. then... Yeah, you know, went across goal and went out of bounds. You just think, mm, you know, was it the right option? Um, you can't blame yeah, him for it though, can you? That was oh. a centering kick, wasn't it? Where Baylor Dale had the big fist yeah. um, over the line. And to be honest, that probably changed the game, to be honest. It's another one of those opportunities which we had. And yeah, I mean, obviously it's, you know, we're thinking more of the positives here. But yeah, I thought yeah. that was a big swing. I think, yeah. No, um, you're, yeah, what you're, you think? Sorry, just to, yeah, just to jump in on Fritch because I think his game was exceptional like got us off on first goal um off mm. the scoreboard but just but he had four goals in the first half wasn't it mm. i think in, in the end and and yeah for him to really i guess like his second quarter was fantastic i certainly think that some of that noise got through to him and you could see that as well too as his game developed and it was interesting i was talking to sue from demon army last week about this and we sort of said look it's probably a little bit unfair some of the hate that he was getting because the biggest difference was, and I think I was talking about this on Thursday night, the fact that he was kicking those goals last year and maybe the year before, whereas the ones that he's getting roasted for and the ones that are really highlighting in the media, he's missing or he's getting pinned for holding the ball. So the mm. fact that, yeah, some of it, I mean, some people may disagree. I don't know. I'd have to really go back and sort of analyze, <laughs> you know, all of his all of his goals and and see where they're going from there. But I thought I thought his, his game was was fantastic, and right now at the moment, and I know Ben Brown being the laid out with that knee soreness, and, and you know a bit of a spanner in the works there, but for Weeds to come in, thought he had a really good first quarter, as you mentioned that goal on, on the siren uh, after the siren of the first quarter, just set us up for six goals in the first quarter. Yeah, really attacking style. You spoke before about starting off strong, but I think they're starting to get. I think the mix is right, and on Melksham, I think. He has really taken on that selflessness as a forward as well. Like he's versatile because mm-hmm. he can play a defensive role on on an attacking half back. But again, like there was one instance in the second quarter where it's just as something as simple as being putting on a body on a defender to create space for Fritch to. I think he kicked his second or third goal at one point. And rewatching that vision, he's got no eyes for the footy in terms of like Melksham's not looking to grab the ball. He's looking to create space, and he's only thinking of his teammates. Same thing popped up last week as well, too, in the Alice game where, you know, he probably could have had a snap on goal, but he sent it to, I think it was Cozzy, I think, from memory last week or somebody else, uh, Langdon, I can't remember. But I don't know. Is this is he carving a, a spot in the side for the remainder of this season? Like, where do, you see him, where do you see his role kind of looking for the rest of 2022? An interesting one because he's when he gets the footy, he's it, he uses it really well. And we actually get real high value from his possession as well. Um, you know, he's able to hit the scoreboard as well, and I think just poses a bit of X factor. Um, if you're comparing him to others, I mean, he's had another two goals this week. Uh, you know, obviously showcases his ability to hit the scoreboard. I think the next cog, you know, we, we saw it in Alice, you know, he was able to, you know, get those forward half tackles and chase downs. I think. 
that's just another string to his bow, which obviously we want to be able to see. Um, I'll label it later on, which is probably one of the biggest alarming things. But um, yeah, I just think, yeah, I reckon it's a hard one. It's, it's going to be close. Yeah. The I'll one thing, I, the other one, the other thing, just quickly on Melchon before we move on, that I noticed both last week and this week is that his efforts on chasing, like he might not be the quickest bloke on the side, but far out, he, he doesn't give up. He doesn't give up though. And like, that's what you're <laughs> Have you seen say. his running style? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, you see, I just but saw he... him running down the wing. <sighs> like, you know, like running after Mr. Gilmore. Uh, not Mr. Gilmore. Um, Shooter McGavin. No. Uh, that. No, 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 Forrest. No. No. <laughs> yeah, the, the crazy guy running after no. um, Shooter McGavin. But he doesn't give up like, though. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think that's, you know, as a coach and a coaching group, like you can't ask for any more in terms of that. Like he's, he's not sagging off or anything like that. He, he's busting his ass to, to, to make chase. And, you know, I don't think he's an overly tall player, but for somebody like he gained a little bit of a... A little bit of edge on a couple of dogs players when he was trying to chase him down. But yeah, I just think that his last couple of weeks, he's proven that he can contribute to this side. And I think they would find a hard time uh, trying to edge him out. And, you know, you got Chandler, who's performing really well, had another great game for Casey on the weekend, who's still undefeated at the moment. You've got these precious small forwards. Bedford was the, uh, was the sub again. Melksham could be, yeah, solidifying that spot. I don't know. Oh, I can't see him losing his spot next week, put it that way. Well, it's one of those things where we've got to look at, you know, with the run home, you know, what's going to be our best mix and, you know, what's our best side? Um, I suppose you look at, you know, the form that players are in. And do you know what? Surprisingly, I think during this year, it's I'm surprised that not not more players have actually come through our side. You think of Oscar Bakers, you think of Bailey Lowry's form, you think of Van Royen. Like it's, it's one of those things where you think, hmm, does... I wouldn't say good. He's got his favourites, but you know, do we have full faith in, you know, obviously what we we're able to achieve last year? But then, you know, does it take two bad performances to get yourself out of the side? Like, I, I mean, there's a few blokes that you know there'll be a bit of a question mark around um, their ability to to impact the game on the weekend um, or last night. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens at selection. Um, anyway, moving on. I think I think I really want to label on this, and you know, we had a lot of high praise for this man and. You know, I think Pet's game was, you know, probably one of his best games, I reckon, for the club, I'd say. Just his ability to intercept, you know, real strong contested grabs, but also lock down a defender, oh, sorry, a forward as well. And, you know, obviously Josh Bruce, he came back last week um, from his ACL injury, didn't get near it. And again, Petty didn't let, let him get a sniff either. So, yeah, kept him goalless, um, but then also was able to impact, um, you know, obviously with Lever out and, you know, yeah, to play a big bit of a bigger role and, yeah, full props to him. Yeah, definitely. Definitely he is. He's growing with each and every game he plays. And I think some of those contested marks, like I think he ended up taking two contested marks, but it looked like it, it, it was more than that, especially at big moments of the game as well. So I think there's one, especially in the last quarter that he had, that was, uh, yeah, all the momentum was going the dog's way and, and he was able to take... He's a really strong aerial um, you know, player, isn't he? Like he's just so strong up high. And I think that's the biggest difference you may have chatted about. Tomlinson and Petty, when those two interchange at times, you know, mostly being injury, not due to form, it's it's the biggest difference between it. And unfortunately, Tomo was on the other end of of a you know another player for the Dogs who who got the best of him uh, on Saturday night. But yeah, so Petty finished with what do you have? What eight intercepts? Uh, the five marks, three intercept marks. 
uh, and seven contested possessions, but just doing a body work down back. And I think he is he's a sponge and absorbing all that knowledge from Lever and May and Salem, all that experience and Hibbo down there and really fashioning himself into uh, our really our halfback of the future, I think, for sure, because, you know, Maisie's on the other side of 30. We know Hibbo's 31, different different players, but far out. Petty, you can see why they invested the games into him so early on, and they had, they've had this high benchmark for him, and they, they knew why they had to get games into him because they could see the potential in him sort of very early in the game. So, yeah, no, great to see him continue his great form as well too. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of good performances as well, too. I think, like, Brayshaw, like, a lot of our sort of mainstays that played a pretty decent game. Like, Maxi had his moments, I thought, was still pretty solid. Bobbed up and took a contested mark when he needed to. Uh, Brayshaw, I thought, was, was again, pretty pretty amazing as well, too. Uh, just mopping up down back and just his ability to read the ball in flight is... <laughs> Second to none, like he's got to be the best in our team of doing that. Like him, maybe maybe alongside Stephen May, but even even May's his last few weeks have been a little bit off. So I'd say Brayshaw might have just pipped him at that. But I want to talk about this bloke here and Tommy Sparrow, who favourite of the podcast. Boy. I think you you mm. you called him my love child, and he yeah spent a fair bit more time in the middle and has over the last couple of weeks. But started off really strong, got a lot of the footy around and. Uh, yeah, just did really good things with it. He butchered it a bit last week. I think he ran at about 40% last week. But yeah. this week, he certainly was a bit better at using the ball. Probably just slowed things a little bit down. Got a hold of the scoreboard as well, too. And, yeah, like we know how the second half of the game sort of plays out. But, no, I think that, again, we're watching one of these young players develop who's who's going to continue to be a really important role player or a really important contributor, sorry, uh, for the days going forward. 100% agree. And I think... Yeah, I'll label it on it quite, you know, quite closely, especially the first half. I mean, what is he finished with 18 touches, but just the touch he was getting, especially early on and probably in the first half, just real big 50-50 battles where he was able to take a big contested grab and then allow us to go forward. I thought they were huge in terms of, you know, getting a score on the board as well. So, um, yeah, and the biggest thing, like I, I did notice, you know, him butcher it last week, but then being able to hit targets, and yeah, be real damaging this week was super impressive to see. Um, was able to hit the scoreboard as well with a nice, almost walked into it as a kick on the run. But um, yeah, leveled in, put it through the middle, and yeah, no full props to Sparrow. And I think we've got an absolute player there, mate. I think, I mean, it's a tough midfield to crack, but looks like he's getting a few centre bounce tendencies, probably more so because obviously he's got a real penetrating kick. Yeah, real ferocious at the contest as well. Yeah, but also like, and not to say that Luke Dunstan was coming to the club to to take his spot, but he is that sort of player that we've got that midfield depth, and he proved he, he was able to prove that last year when he came into the side and sort of really owned his position. But yeah, you you might think on paper if you didn't know who Thomas Barry was and looking against like a, a reasonably experienced AFL player and Luke Dunstan, like yeah, you know, he's keeping him out of the side, and yeah, just being able to continue to perform and grow and i think his work rate sounds like that his uh his work rate at training and stuff is is also yeah really high and that's why the coaches love him and he's just continuing to develop which is really exciting to see as well too and yeah that probably probably does it i can't really think of anything else that's too positive like yeah the momentum swings were great when we were up like Mm -hmm. that four goal period in the second quarter was amazing like sparrow as you said kind of capped that off um but 
yeah, is. Uh... I thought I thought May's intercept game was pretty pretty good as well. Minus obviously that kick where <laughs> Bond was able to intercept it, and I think yeah, I think he'd be pretty dirty on himself for that one. But apart yeah. from that, I thought he was pretty solid. And yeah, I'm pretty happy I brought him into my Supercoach side a couple of weeks ago because yeah, he's been solid. All right, Zemo. Well, we've covered the things that we did love in the game. Now let's cover the things that we need to work on in our next segment. Pretty pissed off. Pretty. I'm a pretty pissed. I'm pretty pissed off still. Um, it's not good enough. That's very unlike the way we've been playing, and something that we'll obviously review and get better at. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not good enough today. Um, this team, this club's got to start winning games. Disappointing result. Lots of factors that really contributed to that. But what was the first thing that really stood out to you about our game that, yeah, not so great? I think the biggest thing for me is the zero tackles inside our forward 50. I think that's probably one of our biggest reasons why we're able to, you know, restrict teams to a low amount of score. And to see zero in our forward 50 just thinks, you know, obviously the ball's leaving too easily. But it's interesting to think of in that case, you know, we're able to go at 52% you know, going forward for from our 50 entries. And yet we had zero tackles in our forward 50. It's almost like we're just getting that, that much of a clean entry when we do go there. It was either going clean to us or clean to them. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It was just a, a bit of an aerial type battle, I suppose, when it went in our forward 50, which, you know, was a bit opposite to the doggies. I think they had nine, nine or 10 tackles inside forward 50. So their pressure was up. Um, they were able to actually kick to space as opposed to us basically kicking to packs, et cetera. So, um, yeah, that's probably one thing that I really looked at. I think another one probably late that really hurt us was the sloppy free kicks. I know there's a big contest on the, on the wing and, you know, Petty shoved out. A, I don't know exactly who it was, yeah, but no. shoved out a, a player out of the contest. And, you know, obviously if we were able to rebound there, you know, it's a four-point game. If we're able to rebound, even just bring it to ground and reset, you know, yeah, the game could have been different. Um, I thought Spargo had a, a few opportunities to to give a handball, but then decided to take the tackler on, and you know was pinged a couple of times. And yeah, that was probably just my couple of real big talking points. Yeah, yours? yeah. Well, I think going back to the the first point that you made about the four fifty, we were just unable to lock it in. Like you talked about mm-hmm. the dogs' pressure and, and their ability to, for the ball to be able to live in their half for the majority of the third quarter. I think it was about seventy or eighty percent. And then even that fourth quarter, even though we were able to sort of have a bit of it to start off with that fourth quarter, that the second half, like our defense was just like trying to keep the ball out at, at all times. And those repeat entries, we weren't able to generate those. The exits uh, from half back for the dogs were just way too clean. And they really took it upon themselves to play on at every opportunity to play fast. Mm. They didn't switch it that much. Like, it, like they did a few times, but yeah, they were just really able to use their hands, sort of get back to that. You know, like the handball club sort of style footy, and and they were really clean with it as well too. And I think that's what kind of led us to being a little bit unstuck. They weren't really caught in banging the ball, you know, long down the line very much at all. So obviously that's our game plan. That's what we want teams to do against us, and they were very aware of that. So whether there was you know some slight adjustments there, but you know, I think the biggest thing for me, first time that we've conceded a hundred points in three years. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Goody repeated it over and over again in the press conference. It's obviously the biggest thing that's pissed them off. This defense, as we've talked about you know, numerous times this year, prides itself on trying to, worst case, give up 15 points a quarter. So, you know, anything around about the 50-60 mark is, is an absolute win. 
Jake Lever is a big loss for us and, and for us to try and cover that as well too. Like he's such a vocal leader down there. But we, yeah, for, for the second quarter, five goals apiece, maybe is it just the way we play the dogs? Like it just seems to be these massive momentum swings of attacking footy, which don't get me wrong, great to watch as a neutral supporter and a fantastic Saturday night game as opposed to some games that we've had this season. But yeah, from a D's point of view about how we want to play, it certainly wasn't that way at all. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things where I, I touched on before, you know, having lever in the side, restricting sides because we can set up a lot quickly and obviously being, you know, the loudest bloke at a club, I'd say, the one that likes talking the most. Um, having him out there, or not out there, sorry, was didn't allow us to... To, you know, clog those gaps, etc. I, I just felt they just picked right through us. I mean, Bailey Dale's kicking was exceptional. Jamari Ugil Hagen, you know, announced himself as a player kicking five. It's yeah, it was it was it was kind of disappointing because I mean, Jamara, you know, got us a ground level and in the air. To be honest, gave <laughs> Tomlinson a bath, which poor Tomlinson because obviously you know he started the club so well and then, you know obviously with his you know his injury and. Trying to get back to his best form, I think things would be pretty good in the VFL. But you know, when Lever's back, obviously he he'll go out because it just you know obviously his, his aerial game isn't his strong point, and you know as a big boy we we pretty much need that from him from him to be honest. So yeah, it was a bit disappointing, and yeah, I don't know the sleeve shot footy. I mean, it was good to good to watch, but yeah, it's not our footy. No, no, it's it's definitely not. And I think our our inability in that last quarter to sort of stop those big game players, like I think we've done a reasonable job on McRae, especially for the first half. But, you know, for him to really sort of get off the chain a little bit towards that last quarter and have a really damaging impact, like Bonson Pelly, look, I know he's a very hard man to stop, but far out, like really stood up in some big moments for them. Um, Protected species. <laughs> we'll get to that. And then oh, Jamara, look... I used to think that Melbourne, I'll tell you what, this is pre-premiership days. I swear that we- Make shit that. players look good. Sorry? We make shit players look good. Well, I wasn't going to quite get to that. We always had a knack for, uh, I'll tell you what, there must be a stat for teams that had rising star nominations against Melbourne. I swear, like young players playing their first season or first or second game used to do, used to, for some reason, always play really well against us. And I swear, like, these rising star nominations would always come up against us. Jamara just obviously had his coming out party against us. And for his last quarter, kicking, like, three goals in the last quarter, especially that, fuck me, that last goal. I mean, that's where I switched it off. Like, <laughs> I didn't watch anything after that because I was just trying to kill time. Like, just bomb it forward and far out. Like, but his work, like, he did it at, I think you mentioned it before, he did it all over the ground. Like, he was able to do it at aerial level, you know, ground level. It was pretty clean. And you can kind of, you got a glimpse of the talent that he is and you can kind of understand why he was so highly rated as, as a youngster. And, Look, good luck to him. But, yeah, unfortunately for us, it came at the wrong time. So uh, I thought that, yeah, their big players stood up in the last quarter and, unfortunately, we weren't able to execute there. Has went missing. Um, oh, Maxi grabbing the ball out of the rock. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I understand that, you know, he's just trying to win the clearance. But the amount of times I think doggies saw it coming and they just tackled him every time and, Probably 60, 70% of the time, we're not winning, winning that clearance. We went down stoppage clearances, like minus 14 
got absolutely smacked around there and it wasn't our strength on the night and it's it, it you know, the amount of goals that it led to uh, for the dogs especially in that forward forward half was was really telling and really kind of tells the story of, of how they were able to get themselves back into the game but far out that that was something that uh for the talented ruckman that he is and even the way that he was able to tap to space and find find our midfielders earlier in the game it just wasn't working for him and towards the dying stages of the fourth quarter he tried to do it a couple of times it really kind of backfired so that that was a bit annoying yeah 100 percent agree and i think that's probably the biggest difference in the game you know when the when the heat was on right at the end of the game their big ga- their big game players stood up and ours didn't i mean you look at clary's last quarter he, uh, he's barely to be seen you look at I hate to put viney in the spotlight but you know his real mongrel bastard was not there um you know he probably used the footy a little bit averagely Compared to what he had done in the you know, games gone by, I think Petrarca was quite well held. Probably minus his probably center clear center clearance work with those hands. I think that's probably the biggest thing that stood out for him. But him around the ground just wasn't himself. Um, just looked in you know, in second gear. Just wasn't great. You know, just had touch on Max grabbing out of the ruck. I mean, not only that, but he's just hack kicks when he gets it as well. I think he's got opportunities to you know give the handball as well. But you know, I mean. It's sort of the kamikaze sort of player he is. I think, you know, he gets the footy. He's like, bloody, bloody hell, we've got to get some yardage, you know, create some chaos. But, you know, when teams are starting to click onto it, like I think Bailey Day was able to intercept a few times and, you know, in years gone by, I mean, you look at like a Caleb Daniel or someone or, you know, there's real dashing halfbacks, they real sweat on these sort of kicks. So, yeah, unfortunately, that's a part of Max's game, which, you know, hopefully he starts to use you know, his hands more. I think... You know, probably a couple of years ago, he was more of a amble, and now he's just started to be more of a kicker because, for one, he gets more forward. of the footy. Because <laughs> he's a full forward. Yeah. I mean, he can kick goals on the run from 55. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he had 25. But, yeah. you know, the value of those 25 wasn't huge. But, it, yeah. yeah. I think it really came down to the ability to execute. And at the end of the day, you're right. Like, the doggies players were able to, and, and our players weren't. Like, you look at somebody like Stephen May, who played a really great game, but like one mistake that cost us a goal. Now it wasn't the gas. It wasn't the Garcia goal. I don't think it was the one before that. I think to get it, uh, was it the one before that? I don't think it was to hit the front. It was the one to get him back within like two points. But even so, you could tell, you could just see it in his face. Like he's swearing. He's like somebody that takes it so seriously that prides himself on winning contests and and being Mm. an absolute uh, precision user of the ball to make that sort of mistake there. Uh, it was yeah really disappointing, but it kind of summed up <laughs> the rest of the game for us, didn't it? Just trying to hold on to a really slim lead, and and yeah, for the dogs to kick five goals in that last quarter as well too is um yeah again like just I think the third quarter Melbourne did a really good job, even the repeat entries that the dogs are doing. I think the dogs kicked three goals four, uh, and yeah, living in the fourth half of the dogs, but yeah that last quarter it just kind of the damn wall kind of broke open. That last ten minutes, and unfortunately, it was uh, just enough for them to get over the line. Well, you probably put that down to the dogs' pressure. I thought they pressured our best ball users off halfback pretty well. I think Gus's ball use was nowhere near his best. I mean, yes, he had the twenty nine, but yeah, he didn't use it anywhere near as good as what he normally does. Salem again, uh, he's he has not hit his straps coming. He's definitely not the all Australian he was last, or you know, the forty man all Australian player he was last year. I think. He's probably someone that needs to get back to his best form for us to, you know, really propel ourselves. I think, I mean, with Jordan getting hurt, I mean, could this be the time for to Gus to be put back to the wing? Because, 
I think, I don't know, I just think we need a bit of a shake-up. I think we need to try and go back to, you know, that type of wingers club footy. Um, and let Salem be the general back there again. I think, you know, he's had enough game play under his belt to get back into the swing of things. I think it's time to really inject him and say, hey, mate, we need you. We need you to start, you know, hitting these targets and really setting us up. Um, yeah, just just... That's just a just an idea. Just throwing it out there. And I think, you know, it could be something that we'd love to see. Um, it worked bloody well because Salem and Gus, um, and also with Langdon, they they would connect a lot anyway. Yeah, no, definitely. All right, well, let's quickly finish it off now. We don't make this a priority of ours, but No. And uh no. yeah, the umpiring I thought, and I've seen it a few people around making similar comments, was pretty poor. Now, just to be clear, I think the decisions that were made Against us, I'm not arguing against those. Well, not all of them. I know you might have something else to say about that. I think the holding the ball um, standards was pretty one-sided uh, on on Saturday night. And you look at the free kicks in general, 22 to 13, um, for a team that for even for that first half, it was very much weighing in front of the for the Bulldogs' favour. You know, in the first half, which second half they they owned a lot more of the uncontested ball. And not that it doesn't mean everything, but holding the balls the amount of times that we were able to tackle and not get rewarded whereas it was happening to the opposite side of things was just ridiculous and i Pickett had one where i can't remember who it was he, he tackled but it, it was clear team, pride down there and not rewarded like bont got tackled easily holding the ball had prior opportunity talked about protected spaces he didn't get rewarded but on the on the flip side of it the umpires take so long to call holding the ball it is just Borderline ridiculous. They said at the start of the year that they weren't going to allow people to get go 360 and then get rid of the ball. Like they, they made that very clear at the start of the season. They have not been consistent with that, along with a number of other rules. But it just seemed to and I'm not don't get me wrong, I'm not like not blaming the loss on that at all. But it was oh, yeah, it was very infuriating to watch and uh probably some of the poorer umpiring I've seen this year. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, though, it just felt like they were really red hot on us. Probably minus, I mean, when Gorney took it out of the ruck and got tackled pretty much, you know, second afterwards, I thought, you know, he was probably a little bit lucky not to get pinged. But yeah, I just just think there's a couple, I think Viney might have got stung twice where he looked like he actually got a handball or also a kick away. But, you know, they pinged him pretty red hot as opposed to, you know, flip the other side of the coin. It looked like the Bulldogs had a bloody eternity to get rid of him. Yeah, you know, a few times they were even dropping it, and I'm like, "Why is nothing getting cold here? Yeah. Why is it the f- like flip side? Why?" Yeah, but anyway, I mean, you hate to you hate to label it, and it is, you know, and we're going to throw it out, but what the hell? Like, mm. you know, have some bloody consistency. Oh, I reckon, I reckon it was it was nice to see. I think Riley West got pink fouled on the ball when he uh, when he when he dropped dropped his knees and uh, tried to shrug up the tackler and got pinfolded in the ball. So at least out of everything that's gone on this week and changing the rules, at least there was one consistent call there. That's that's about it. <laughs> oh, we'll finish on that note there. All right, mate. It's that time of the week. It's the Hop End D Lifeful Display Player of the Year Award. Now, 
Obviously, we weren't able to do it last week, so we're going to go through two weeks of this one. So we'll go through the Port game first. For me, one vote goes to Rick Lever. I feel like being winged with one arm and still in able to come back on and you know get us a W. I thought he was you know a vital cog there. Obviously, with only the one arm, I thought yeah he was able to push through and yeah hopefully get him back soon. Nice one. Uh, I also had one of his defensive colleagues in Michael Hibbard, who I've been raving about over the last few weeks and think his form is just being really solid uh, and and really building upon yeah, a really strong defensive uh, yeah defensive unit back there. And it's great to have him back on the side. I thought he is just, yeah, he's been getting stronger each and every week and providing that run and dash, even at his age, you know, 31, almost the oldest player in, on, on the list. He's, uh, he's proving that he's very, very valuable down there. Yeah, not to mention being able to lock down the other team's small forwards too. He's doing a super job. Um, my two votes goes to Christian Petrarca, you know, being out without his partner in crime last week. I feel like, you know, he was able to influence the game pretty strongly. And, I mean, it was good to see him sort of step up in that sense. Yeah, hopefully, you know, he can build for a huge big uh, final month before finals. Yeah, no, completely agree with that. He really did the most of the grunt work without Clary there. Uh, I thought... For me, two votes goes to Ed Langdon, who I think kind of flew under the radar a little bit. I just, for a game that he was, yeah, able to really generate a lot of space and a lot of run along the wings there, it was one of those games where he's a lot more evident than probably what it has been previously when other teams put a lot of work into him. So I thought that his run and carry uh, along the wings there was really effective and, and allowed us, yeah, some pretty positive ball movement there. So I think he ended up with the 24 touches um, on last week as well. So no, two, vote, two votes to Lingers for me. Nice one, Lingers. It's been a while since he's been in the votes. Oh, actually, he might have got one the week before. He might have had the round of 30. Three votes. I think it's a pretty clear-cut one. Um, Cosie, best game of his career, I reckon. It was you know, super dangerous. Did it in all facets of the game, left, right, from the boundary, off the ground, you know, mid-air kick, set shots, etc. Six snags and, yeah, just posed a huge threat to Port all day. And, yeah, well done, Cosie. And how good in front of, uh, you know, the Yellow Spring fans. Yeah. No, it was incredible. Uh, really performance for the ages and, and really every moment that he touched the ball, it was just electrifying. And, and we know as day supporters that we can see that potential in him, but for him to sort of have the six goals is a huge reward for him, even though that's not all of his game. But you're right, it was just something else. And to watch it unfold, and it really was the difference in the game. Like without him, uh, our forward line didn't really connect very well otherwise. But no, nah, it was just absolute magic and uh, nah, incredible to see. Had a bit of a quieter game this week, but uh, why wouldn't you get a lot of attention after the performance that he had? So no, nah, understandable there. Was he your three votes? Or he you, was, you'd sorry. Been that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, nice he was one. my three votes. On your cozy, awesome. <laughs> All right, let's move across to the next game, mate. And obviously, you know, a shootout we had here. Um my one vote goes to Gus Brayshaw. I feel like he was in the right spot at a lot of the time. Had 11 marks, 29 touches. And yes, he probably wasn't his best by foot, but just, just the way, like you said, um, you know, in the last segment, you know, just his ability to read the flight of the footy and you know, get himself in the right position to uh, to intercept is uh, quite unreal. Definitely, definitely. I had Oliver, I, I think, just 
having him back in the side again, like you saw the difference that it made center clearance wise, and even him slightly hampered with his with his thumb was still able to generate you know the twenty eight touches and six center clearances and and have a genuine Im- impact. The the star that he is, we we certainly missed him, and for him to be able to back it up and, and get back out there on the field, even though he's not one hundred percent, I thought was really courageous, and and yeah, gave us. Gave us a sniff at being able to yeah give ourselves the best opportunity to get the ball out and 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 push it forward. So no, his contested work was uh was really impressive there. If you had your time again, would he be in or out? Would we give him more rest? Because to me, he did not look right in that last quarter. Well, remember what was it? Track that said it on Thursday night, or was it maybe something he said during the week? He said. Clary would literally be crying that he's not playing. So <laughs> how competitive he is. I think it would just be, honestly, it would be hard to keep him out. He sounds like That's he's fair. just that competitor that hates missing games. Like he hadn't missed a game in how many years it was. Like him and Track were on... From debut. That was yeah. the first game he's missed. There you go. So him and Track were on par to play like something like 150 games together or something something ridiculous like that so it was uh it, was, it would have been a nice little milestone but unfortunately yeah i mean to have one one small blemish on your on your games record like that it's uh it's a hell of an effort and you can see that he just yeah it doesn't matter what's uh what's bothering him he just wants to get back out there and, and wants to play footy it's true all right moving on uh my two votes goes to uh harry petty i feel like just yeah, just just amazed with what he was doing, and yeah, to be able to lock Josh Bruce to one kick, uh, one handball, two disposals, it was just yeah, and just his just ability to intercept and um, just be a presence. I thought he was um, exceptional. Yeah, I won't add anything else to that, mate, because he's got my two votes as well. <laughs> yeah, nice one. Um, my three votes goes to Bailey Fritch. I thought um, yeah, just his his game was really exceptional. I thought. Just when, it, when you know, I mean, obviously we still had 50 entries, but, you know, when he had his opportunities, G looked good and took it with both hands. Um, he kicked the 4-1. I think it might have been one set shot potentially, which he missed. But, yeah, when he had the chances, I feel like he made the most of them. And, um, yeah, he was, he, he tried, it looked like he tried to be a little bit uh, less, you know, selfish this week. And to be honest, like, when, he, when he's gone for the snags, I mean, it's a hard fine line because like you look what he can do with, you know, his snaps and everything. And, you know, his just ability, his goal sense is just unreal. Yeah, no, definitely. And look, funnily enough, I've got him for three as well too, because I think, yeah, really sort of set us up from an offensive point of view, being able to get those four goals by half time. Uh, yeah, it was a high scoring game, but for him to, to have that impact, and he's so good around, around goals and his goal sense. But I, I also think that his work around the ground as well too, his field kicking is still, when it's on point, it is very, very good. And you know, his ability to be that inside 50 kick, when he gets the ball up high, half forward, he, he is a really intelligent kick. Now, you know, you wonder why we, we tried him off across half back all those years mm. ago. Like, he's a very, a very good kick of the ball. So, no, I thought he played a really good game as well and, and set us up for what we thought was it was a nice little buffer, but uh, the rest of it wasn't meant to be. 40 goals for the year too for, for Frida. So, yeah, on the on the way to, you know, most likely beat his last year tally of 60, I think it was, or 59. So, yeah, full props to Frida and, yeah, hopefully his uh, goal-kicking form continues. All right, Simo, well, we are the podcast for these fans, by these fans, and we wouldn't be here without their loyal support. And now we're going to hear their thoughts in our next segment, Fugazi. People are only commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fugazi. 
do with your best uh, Matthew McConaughey impression from Walter Wall Street? <laughs> no, I can't, but it's, uh, it goes something like Fagazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> <laughs>
over where they set up, which actually work, would work perfectly. But look, I think we need to take a little bit more dare in terms of where we go. I mean, I know my footy club, I mean, we're starting to, you know, the first kick of, of uh, all first point of each quarter, we're just looking to go straight down the, the guts just to, you know, mix it up and just, yeah. you know, try something. Um, you know, that could be something that could work. I mean, you get your biggest kicker, just go absolutely boom, and uh, you see what happens. Yeah, no, that's it. Well, I suppose if you know one thing, it's it's the, the Ds are very much... Uh, sticking to their game plan and, and not too much shakes it and even as much as it irks us so well it'd be interesting to see what happens there because you're spot on with about it seems to be all we do is uh kick it to max and max has got max or jackson have got about eight players to contend with so it's uh yeah definitely a point we'll keep on watching next one comes in from trenton toima amos hopefully i pronounced that right toma toma i reckon toma oh yeah with an l there um too much doom and gloom Anyone who has supported Melbourne for a long time knows all too well that we only have a winning record against a handful of clubs, Footscray being one of them. Jake Lever was a massive out for us, hopefully back this week along with Benny Brown. And he's put hashtag demon spirit. So great, great bit of uh, positivity there from Trenton because I know I certainly wasn't feeling any positivity last night <laughs> at about 10 p.m. But no, it's, uh, no nice, nice to put it there. I mean, yeah, to look at it in the long run. I think, I don't know, have we as fans now just become to expect like too much? I still think that there was, the fact that there was chances there that we didn't take and I suppose given the winning position that we had put ourselves in uh, was probably one of the most disappointing parts, I would say. Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. I think when when you're in a position to win a game but you don't, I think that's when, you know, these little things come out and you think, well, you know, we're still in a really good position and, you know, being positive is the right way to go about it. Um, you know, I think just the biggest thing at the moment is, you know, we're starting to nitpick if we're, yeah, if we're not able to win. But then also you think, yeah, we have won one, but how good it be to win one in front of us, you know, in front of the MCG faithful. I think that's why, you know, the supporters are getting a little bit of a, you know, of a stink up. But just stay positive. Stay positive in the, in the moment and, you know, something we hope... Yeah, it's going to come. I mean, look, fortunately enough, we've had that exposure, but, you know, just think how good it would be to, you know, win in front of, you know, in front of us as fans and, you know, instead of, you know, in Perth, et cetera. Uh, we're, we're pleased with where we sit. We understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing, but we also want to just take it, you know, one week at a time. And, and coaches say that a lot and, and people, and it's just the reality. You can't look too far ahead. Oh, Tim, what time is it? It's your favourite time. What is it? It's uh, it's that time. It's that time of the week. Which is? It's uh, what are we? Oh, we got to look to the next game. What's that called again? One week at a time. Oh, Here it is. is. All right. <laughs> One week at a time. We've got Frio Friday night. Fuck that <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for more. I thought you were going to build it up a bit stronger for me. <laughs> yeah, I put you on the spot. You didn't expect yeah, that. You sprang that on me from nowhere. Sprang? sprang nah, it's all right, yeah. mate. Sprung. Um, so 840. Oh, Don't know how late they start over there in Perth. 810. Well, it might be 810. 810, yeah. yeah. Half is a half an hour behind. Maybe massive, massive repercussions for this game. Is that the right word? Is that the right word I'm looking for? In um, terms of the loser, it could be massive repercussions for the loser. Yeah. Yes, that's the words. So <laughs> good <laughs> words on a Sunday way. night. Yeah, I know. I've done well here. Yeah. Um, it's all right. It'll yeah, all stay huge. in. <laughs> huge, huge chance for us to you know, 
really hit back at Freo from what they did to us against the, at the G, I suppose. You know, we're, we're heading to a happy hunting ground, but the difference here is that there's going to be a packed house full of purple dickheads. And <laughs> you just think, like, how good will it be to knock them off Friday night? You know, put them really, you know, because you look at probably Collingwood who play Port and I think Sydney who might play a lesser side as well. Both those teams win, they could leapfrog Frio and Frio could drop to seventh on the ladder or if Carlton win as well. So Frio could be looking at seventh on the ladder with a loss. Um, and if we win, we, you know, we're you know, keeping it on track for, for a home final as well. So you just think how, how strong a win will be here. But then also you got to look at the other side of the coin and, you know, think what a loss could do. It just, you know, puts us back on level peggings with the, I wouldn't say level peggings because we'll probably be potentially a game behind. You know, the likes of Collingwood, the likes of you know Brisbane, um, which play Richmond. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a really interesting round, and I suppose every round is going to be you know really tight in terms of you know ladder you know changeovers and positioning and you know variables across the the end of the season. I think it'd be really cool to go through a little bit of a run home and you know have a look at the other sides and things because I think deciphering you know the what ifs. Um, you know, it could be pretty interesting in a lead home. But look, I mean, the segment name, one week at a time, we're going to look at it through that lens. And I think for us, you know, the boys just need to focus on us. And, you know, for us to go get a good start against Freo is probably the biggest thing. They play a pretty similar brand to us, a real, you know, defensive brand. And I think we're really got to bring it. And I think, you know, the big thing in the limelight here is obviously Luke Jackson, um, you know, with tailored, you know, the big money offering, you think, what, what Luke Jackson we're going to see is, you know, to be honest, he got absolutely spanked by Tim English in Iraq. I think, you know, Gorn probably got the ascendancy, but, you know, Dogger wasn't himself um, in the ruck, especially in the second half. Just didn't look like he was on the ground, to be honest. He just, you know, didn't have an influence in things. And, yeah, what do you think, mate? What's um? I'll let you say something because I feel like I've just blabbered on for <laughs> the last segment, two or three minutes. It What's is your segment. Yeah, no, no, it is. But, like, you know, it'll be... Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what you've got to say. And I suppose, you know, just talking about the game, like, you know, what's what's your thoughts going into it? How do you feel? Because it's, yeah, it's huge. It is. It, it's, a, it's a really big test for us. And we've got, what, four games left of the home and away season now. So it's really shaping and going to define what our final series is going to look like and, and, and where we sort of sit in terms of the other teams surrounding us and, and what sort of advantages we might have going to finals. Now, if you cast your mind back to when we did play Freo, the biggest thing I think from memory that game was just how small their tools made us look down forward. And like they're a great aerial side in terms of their work down the front with, uh, well, Taverner didn't play against us, I think, that time. But like, no, nah, he did play and got subbed out. He got, he got injured. Sure Taverner got subbed out. But like Roy Lobb, you know, played really well against us as well too. And then, um, oh, what's his name? Griffin Lowe. Griffin Lowe played out front, um, played forward on a defensive role against May because that's when May got knocked out. But then, you know, he had he had a great game up forward as well too. And I think it stayed there almost a lot since, uh, you know, always been floating front and back uh, since that game. So uh, that was one thing that I remember saying that we we're, we're obviously undermanned without Stephen May. And I think Freo had come with a bit of a game plan about how to attack him because he was in some ripping form at that point in the time. But uh, that was a key thing, I think, just being beaten down forward in the aerial contest, like contested marks, 
and were really sort of made to look small. And that's where I think our defenders need to make sure that they're on the same page about who's flying, who's not, and being able to hopefully bring the ball to ground. Uh, we know that they're ball winners, like Andy Brayshaw is having an absolutely crazy season, like really sort of excelling and, and putting himself in, you know, probably the top 20, 25 players in the competition sort of range, I think, just given his young age. And he's got his partner in crime there and in Caleb Sarong as well, too, not to mention um, a player named Nat Fife who's sort of just sort of starting to find his feet. He's, he's not the same player coming back from the injury, but, you know, to have him, to have the, your side travelling so well without him and then for him to sort of try and make his way back into the, the, make his way back into the side and sort of see how he seamlessly kind of fits back in because they did have a few, I think, cohesion issues getting him back in. But... To play them at the home deck, as you mentioned earlier, it's it's going to be a really big test. But you know that our boys, they can sense how important this occasion is. They're raring to get back out there. Like Maxi sort of said after his post-game conference, like, you know, Friday night footy, they love it. Like they've got a short turnaround, but, you know, they're going to, they know how important this is for, you know, not only the fans, but for them and for how it's going to build up for the rest of this season. Yeah, 100%. And just to touch on Fife, Fife's actually done his hammy. Um, so Fife's going to be missing and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what their, you know, their mix is there. And you've hit the nail on the head. We got slaughtered, you know, in the air. You look at all their, all their back and they just kept the footy away from us. You think Ryan Chapman, um, Cox, they had a high number of marks. So, you know, real high uncontested marks sort of brand they brought and, you know, it was when we had a bit of a lead against them, we were up by, what, 20, 20 points in the second. We had a really strong start. And then we just, you know, fell away. I mean, sort of, you know, eight, eked out a few goals. goals. Eight, nine goals? Nah, I think we kicked six. No, they did. Six? No, they sorry, kicked. it was the second quarter. It was similar. So, it was, I think it was about, well, two goals, two to about one goal, six a quarter time. And then we got a bit of a flow on. I think we might have kicked six goals to one potentially in the second. And then we got a bit of a lead. Um, and then we just got smacked in the second half. It was just we just didn't show up in the second they half. Kicked and, eight goals to one in the third quarter. There you go. Yeah. So you think we just essentially we owe these bikes. And I think just you know, from what they did, it was their first loss for the season, mind you. And you know, just for, for what they did and sort of what that started the trend of. I mean, you look from that point onwards, we're sitting ten and oh. Now we're sitting are we now? Uh 13 wins 13 wins five losses so you think from that point onwards we're going three and five and you think you know is this at this the same tipping point as last year i mean we've got one less win than last year i think at this same point we might be the same no one less win because we had four four losses and a draw last year so yeah so we had you know we've we're looking at a pretty similar position when we're one spot high on the ladder um we just we just got to make a run. It's as simple as that. We've got to start a run this week and yeah, really you know, springboard from here because for us to be in a good position in the top four, we're going to have to win at least three out of four, I reckon, to be a chance for a home final. And you know, we can probably sneak in to the top four with two wins, but you know, we don't want to have other sides, you know, well, depending on the other sides to win, lose, draw. It's um it's our fate. We've got to be able to, you know, impact the game. And you know, it starts this Friday night. I mean Looking ahead, we've got some bloody huge blockbusters coming up. And, you know, what better way to, you know, build some confidence in the boys and to go over to Perth, you know, 50,000, it'll be 45,000, and five of ours, maybe. I mean, you look look at the granny. I mean, we had some pretty good support. But, um, yeah, it's going to be rocking on Friday night. And, gee, how good would it be to get the win? Yeah, 
yeah, huge road win for for us, and yeah, we need that to to set up the rest of the run home. Uh, I think any other players I can think of that we need to take care of. I think Fredericks had a pretty good season as well too, sure. and he, he he was pretty damaging against us as well back in round eleven. So we need to make sure we pay attention to him as well too. Uh, yeah, that's probably it. Any changes, mate? Like. It's by the sounds of things, what Gordy was talking, oh, there's a fair chance that Ben Brown doesn't play, doesn't get up for next week. Sounds like I actually, I actually reckon, yeah. I actually reckon it's a hard one because I mean, how much do you want to rest him, and you know, do you bring him back through the twos? And you know, again, like you look at last year, it'd be interesting to double check when he came back in the side and had a really strong finish to the year. Um, could it have potentially been round twenty or round twenty-one, maybe when he come back in? Yeah, it's a hard one. Uh, I think depending on Jack Lever's shoulder, I haven't read too much into it, but obviously if he was named and then a late withdrawal, I mean, I mean, it would have been close to being able to pull up ready. I mean, the extent of it would be interesting. I feel like it's one of those ones where, yeah, it's probably going to hamper him for probably most of the rest of the year. I think it's one of those things where Rick's just going to have to push through it and, you know, it could be potentially not as, you know, not, not too bad to be able to play through, but, you know, we don't know. We don't know doctors or anything but you know leave is probably the most logical one for for tomlinson um to touch on you know frederick as well you got to think of Lockie shields and also you know michael walters i mean just at ground level just been able to nullify them but obviously we've got you know the likes of brayshaw salem um rivers and also hibbard to lock those boys down so hopefully they're you know on their game i think you know Logue sort of been going forward back ruck even at times um, yeah, he probably plays forward as a negator role as well. So, yeah, and apparently Roy Lobb's probably a question mark as well. I think a sore shoulder. So hopefully he's out and then we can get the ascendancy in the air this time. It'll be good. Um, margin. Yeah, it looks like margin. How are we looking? Margin. Well, look, it's a D's bias. Look, I think it's, again, it's probably going to be a low scoring contest. I reckon we're probably looking at around probably first team to about 70 or 80 is probably the, probably the go for the win. I think. Maybe in a D's bias, I reckon the D's by nine points. No, it's fine. Oh, yeah, I'm going to keep it under 20. Go D's by 16 points. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to a massive game. All right, Simo, well, that does it for another week, mate. Thanks so much for, for jumping on. Good to, uh, well, not great to chat a loss, but... Yeah, it was a pretty pretty shitty end way to end the uh, Saturday night. But uh, I don't know. What would, you, what would you feel? Worse as a D's fan or worse as an Essendon fan? Oh, Essendon. I think I'd be pretty dirty on that. I mean, being up by 20 and then, you know, just having some glimmer of hope and having it ripped away from you like that was a <laughs> bit shit. And seeing yeah. Harry Jones miss the kick, I'd be, oh, I'd be gutted, yeah. to be honest. You see him after but, the siren, he was... Uh, yeah, a shattered man, unfortunately. So, shattered no. man, but more importantly, it's uh, the D's time. And, you know, Friday night can't come quick enough because I just want to get a piece of Frio and then leading into Collingwood, mate. It's just, well, it's it's prime time. It's it's go time, isn't it? It's go, it is go time. It's, uh, I was going to say it's lorry time, but it's not lorry time. <laughs> or is it lorry time? <laughs> ben Royan. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's... It's a weird feeling, I suppose. The footy season just always goes so quickly, but now that we're really up to those last few oh, games, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty nerve wracking. I think. Like, I don't mind the media love affair with Geelong and and how that's that kind of 
storyline that narrative has shifted away from us like that's fine they, they can have that like you know they they get all the home ground games down the bloody highway and you know what it's whatever like they they can have the favoritism they can be flag favorites whatever i'd much rather be uh you know still the reigning premier up until the time where that next premiership cup is lifted we are still the reigning premier but also we can still back ourselves in to have a, a good a good shot at it so i'm not so much worried about that but yeah nerve-wracking certainly right and yeah, as uh, yeah, some massive games, and yeah, hopefully we can try and nut out a bit of a, a special, special dissection of the run home probably after uh, after Friday night's game. So we'll see how we track him. But thanks to you again. Big thanks to our sponsors, Hopham Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. Make sure you check out our podcast. You can find it on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate, like, and review us uh, on yeah Spotify, Google, or anything else that you're listening to. Simo, enjoy the rest of your weekend, mate. Sunday night. It's uh, yeah. If we can take it easy, go uh, go play some FIFA against some someone across what the other side of the world, probably. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, most importantly, go the D's. Go the D's.